Welcome back to Chapo's Corner. It's your host, Fire Chapo. I should say Fuego Chapo. As hot as it is today up in NYC. Um, I'm back with another episode. This one is entitled Pansexuals and Pansexuality. Um, yeah, I just wanted to really jump right into it. We'll start with Urban Dictionary first and say what they say, what it is. Um, um, I'll just let everybody explain through the little sources that I found. This is UrbanDictionary.com. And they said a pansexual is the ability to put your hand down somebody's pants and literally like whatever you find. And that is literally true. Next definition they have is um, a person who is sexually interested in other people, regardless of gender, including males, females, transsexuals, transvestites, hermaphrodites, intersexuals, androgynous people, um, gender benders, those with sex chromosomes anomalies such as Klein-Felter syndrome or Turner syndrome, a person who is a member of a pansexual group or a person who associates with people of all sexual orientations but is not necessarily interested in sex with people of all sexes or genders, though they may be comfortable with public displays of affection, PDAs, or semi-public sexuality activity, which is not confined to their own sexual orientation. One who perceives all activities and experiences as sexual. One who believes that all consensual activities are ethical. One who believes that all human behavior stems from the sex drive. Okay. I feel like these are all nice ways of putting it. <laughs> I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that um, we're going to discuss just how far or how, how vast or how broad the term can be stretched across. It says it's from the Greek word mean, uh, pan meaning all. And the English meaning sexual, so all and sexual. And the other term that they use to uh, describe it, or in, in another interchangeable sexual orientation, is omnisexual. Someone who doesn't care what gender people are or what they define themselves as will sleep with, fall in love with, etc. Now, I've never necessarily heard anybody come out and say that they were this. And I'm not saying that um, there are not people out there who don't identify with this. I don't know that there would be a lot of people who would actually, even if they do, I don't know that there's a lot of people, unless they're talking to people amongst their own community, who would openly come out and say something like this. Because if you think the um, LGBT community, which is a, this is a category, even though I did read some articles where they said they were trying to kick the term out because... Um, Someone just trying to say it's another way to say bisexuality, but in, in, all, in all honesty, it's an extended form of being bisexual, which we all know bisexual means to be interested in both genders. But pansexuality is literally all. I refer to it as the wild card of the sexual orientations in the previous episode um, entitled Asexuality. Yeah, um, it, it gets pretty interesting. We're going to do some back information to like where the term stems from and um, more meaning so we could just understand like we understand for the most part what it is and lastly I'll just use this one 
is the state of being sexually attracted to males, females, transsexuals, transgenders, intersexes, hermaphroditic, transvestites, androgenes, etc. It's kind of like being bisexual, except bi refers to two sexes, which is why the um, prefix bi is in there, which you know. Uh, I wanted to jump over to Wikipedia. <clears throat> so, Wikipedia explains uh, pansexuality or omnisexuality as the sexual romantic or emotional attracted towards people regardless of their sex or gender identity. Pansexual people may refer to themselves as gender blind, asserting that gender and sex are not determining factors in their romantic or asexual attraction to others. Pansexuality may be considered a sexual orientation in its own right or a branch of bisexuality, as I mentioned earlier, to indicate an alternative to sexual identity. Because pansexual people are open to relationships with people who do not identify as strictly men or women, and pansexuality therefore rejects the gender binary, it is often considered a more inclusive term than bisexual. To the extent the term bisexual is inclusive when compared with the term pansexual is debated within the LGBT community, especially the bisexual community. Like I said, it's a term that's um, tossed around and I think I even came across an article, don't quote me, that says that they have um, completely thrown it out. <clears throat> now, to break, 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 break down. Pan itself. We have to go back to where the term originated from, which is from Pan, the Greek god in mythology. God, little g, which um, can be interpreted by some, by myself, which is just my own personal preference, believe that I'm not pushing anybody as um, a fallen angel, false god. So in ancient Greek religion, and mythology, um, Pan is the god of the wild, uh, shepherds, flocks, wild animals. Uh, he's also associated with music and the um, accompanying of nymphs. Now, I'm gonna now <laughs> nymphs in Greek mythology is uh, a minor female, little tiny thing, look like a little fairy. Okay. Different from goddesses, they're um, usually regarded as little divine spirits who, you know, just kind of just be in nature. They're usually depicted as beautiful young maidens who, long story short, okay, nymphs is where they get the term nymphomaniac, okay? And that's all I'm going to say about that. And nymphs are associated with Pan because he used to be hanging out with the nymphs. And I just told you, pan is root for the word uh, pansexual, which you know is just basically the wild card of all the sexual orientations. Now, with that being said, let's get back to pan, um, the Greek god in mythology. So, um, Wikipedia describes pan as having hind quarter legs and horns of a goat in the same manner as a fawn or a satire. With his homeland in rustic Arcadia, he is also recognized as the god of the fields, groves, wooden glens, and often affiliated with sex. Because of this, Pan is connected to fertility and the season of spring. 
The ancient Greeks also considered Pan to be the god of theatrical criticism. The word panic ultimately derives from the god's little g name. In Roman religion and myth, Pan's counterpoint was Faunus, a nature god, who was the father of um, Bonadia, sometimes identified as, as um, Fauna. Now, <clears throat> I just wanted to say that um, this picture of Pan, if you don't, if you're not familiar with the picture, if you ever heard of the fallen angel, aka demonic god, aka the satanic leader of church whatever deity Baphomet this is this is Pan in in essence as far as the physical appearance it has the upper or the torso upward to the top of the head is the appearance of a man from the bottom half lower is the appearance of um, like I said hind quarters and hind legs and um, hooves goat feet which is Baphomet and of course it has horns okay so it is this is the goat and i'm not talking about the greatest of all time goat i'm talking about you know the the goat so to speak now when i first came across pan and study pan and i want to talk about peter pan and we're going to get into that too i found an article and I'm going to say, I'm going to apologize in advance for some of the, I'm going to pick and pick and choose some of the things. So some of it, the guy gets into like a lot of, um, I don't want to offend anybody like religious, religious connotations because of the, you know, the sexual aspects of it. I'm not going to do all that. Or maybe I will just read it because it's not my words, it's somebody else's. And so, you know, I, it's not my thoughts. But he touches a lot about what I learned about Pan. And I first learned about Pan when I was watching um, a segment on New York One, which is a news channel here in New York in the city only it's not anywhere else but in the, within the five boroughs and they did a segment on um jm barry i believe is the author and peter pan and i think it was the anniversary or something and someone who was really like a historian or an english scholar someone really really old and seasoned with um writings and readings and whatnot came on and was talking about it. And so they started to shine some light on it that that, rose, that got my attention as I was just moving through the house and listening through um, the TV, just making noise. Long story short, he mentioned that Pan, the original character of Peter Pan in the original book by Jan Barry, was nothing like what Disney portrayed, that he was whitewashed in the sense, and I don't mean by skin tone, I just mean whitewashed in the sense of watered down and meant to be, made to be more friendly. It was almost like a bad character who was uh, from, that was a well-known, you know, bad character that should not be around children. Because one thing we're going to touch on, or I'll just say it now, is that when you're pansexual, you know, a pansexual, I'm not saying all, but a pansexual has the ability to be a pedophile. And you have to remember that while um, Peter Pan was a child, I think he was a little bit older than all the other lost boys, so there was something going on there. But we're going to touch talk on that. But he talked about it so much and shined it in a light that I was able to understand and appreciate because it was facts. It was known in the book. It was written in the book. So it made me want to get the book. I'm an average book reader. 
And also, I like to or realize lately that a lot of books that I'm reading now, even Alice in Wonderland, I got the original, and I got to go get Oz, Wizard of Oz, because there's a lot of ways that these things read out. Like, Alice in Wonderland was about a little girl running around getting stoned on drugs. You know, you know, like these things, like as a Disney movie, it looks like one thing, but then as you get older, you start to analyze what was really going on and why would they show kids something like this? And that's why a lot of these movies is in the vault. You can't find these movies. If Disney does a player for you, which they don't play it often, they put it in the Disney vault. And they only release them every 10 years, and that's how Disney keep making that money because they know that in the 10 year time frame or 15 years that they kept it in the vault, meaning they're not circulating it and they're not putting it in mass production for you to be like, oh, look, you know, so you can't just go on, you know, like maybe you can some places, but as far as going to the Disney, you can't find a lot of things. And then they take it out of the vault and everybody goes crazy and they spend an arm and a leg rebuying a bunch of movies that they probably bought like throughout all the years of their lives just to watch it again. But people have, um, Analyzed the book and broke it down and realized the same thing the guy was trying to explain about Peter Pan about how the original content. So I read it and I was in shock. The crap that I found in the book about uh, Peter Pan that though his real personality characteristics, how much of it was just a um, dark little. It was like this is what it was. Peter Pan in the book, as it comes out, to realizes you got to remember he's in a mythical world in the middle, so he's not necessarily a real person when he's coming to people like to Wendy. And literally, I mean, it seems like he just wants a mother for him and the lost boys and all that. But in all actuality, he's just trying to snatch her up and steal her away into this place and just lock her there wherever she can never go home again. And there was a lot of malicious and messed up things that he would do in the book. Like, even when it came down to, like, sharing food, like, he would eat things and hide things. And it was a lot of things. Like, he would go missing and um, come to find out he was, he was uh, fighting with people. He was just, like, this really little dark boy. Like, Dennis the Menace, but kind of, like, worse. And kind of hidden. So in all actuality, he was like a... You know how you have, like, demons and vampires? A vampire's been, like, 300 years old, 400, even 2,000 years old. When you see a vampire, like, he was watching uh, um, Twilight. And, <clears throat> what do you call it? Edward wasn't looking like chopped liver. Now, was he? No, he was looking like a perfectly healthy, except for maybe a little pale in the face, um, teenage boy. So it's the same thing. You know, he's coming across looking like this little young-ass kid. He's not a young kid. He's really, a, I'm going to say, a demon. You know what I'm saying? Or a pan of God. That was that was they, them using pan the God from Greek mythology as a character in a book. And then there has been a lot of speculation about the author, um, Jan Barry, who was um, abused and might have even been an asexual. I want to say might have even been a demisexual because the woman that he ended up marrying, and I'll get into like the article, it says that they never consummated the marriage. And it got to the point that the woman just got so fed up that she ended up cheating and then that with another writer. And then they eventually got divorced and whatnot. So um, he already had a weird sexual orientation to be, not weird, but just different. And also they said that um, he had weird and strange relationships with a lot of little boys, which is no wonder that when he wrote the book concerning Pan, he wrote about boys. So just remember that a pansexual can be a pedophile. A pansexual can be a necrophile. If you don't know what a necrophile is, that's somebody who sleeps with dead bodies. And I'm sure that, um, you know, Ed Gain, and then you have, um, well, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer uh, killed people. I'm sure he, he cut the bodies up and put them in the fridge, but I'm sure he slept with them. So, like, there's some weird people. Ted Bundy, definitely dead, or raped them, and then, but not saying he killed them, and he liked to have sex with dead bodies. So there's some people that have a fast, and even if you don't sleep with the dead bodies, but there's something about dead bodies sometimes that just get people literally, um, I'm sorry, erected aroused and will um, have them just get a thrill of the same way as if they were having sex. It's just a fact. 
Okay, so that's why when we're talking about pansexuality, we're going to talk about, like, the minor form where you could just basically just be bisexual and also, like, transgenders and transvestites and gender benders and all these things and be colorblind, but at the same time, I mean, gender blind, but at the same time, you could also be the type of person who's a pedophile. You could also be the type of person who's a, a necrophile. You could be the type of person who, who's who a rape an elderly person. You could also be a person who's into bestiality and don't think that that doesn't exist, that people don't have sex with animals, and please don't think that it's just something that happened. Don't be naive and ignorant enough to think that that's just something that happens in third world countries because I'm sure if you do a lot of research and I'm not telling you to look into it because you might run into some videos that might really gross you out or some pictures online that might really gross you out but you'll see that it's regular people like Americans and people all around the world who are uh, uh, having uh, uh, um, sexual relations with animals I mean women the grown women beautiful women they ain't even like really like creepy people that just live in the jungle that just don't know any better and just don't have any sense like if you would think or they would like you to think this is regular people there's people out here that um, do inappropriate things with their dog. I'm just being honest with you. You know what I'm saying? Inside the house, behind closed door, walls. You know what I'm saying? Women. You know what I Listen to me. It's real. That's a pansexual. Okay? Whether they would like to admit it or not. Because they don't got no boundaries and they will go as far as doing it with an animal. So you ever heard they talk about men and they say, well, you know, he, he would do with anything. He would, he would sleep with anything. As long as he got legs or he got, uh, you know, something in between the legs, like he would do it. Like, they'd do the desk if they could. A pansexual would do the desk if he could, you know? And this, um, while we are all entitled to our own sexual orientations and stuff, but, you know, you got to understand, when they start to get towards these little sadistic kind of, you know, that's the stuff where you got those people that's running around the world that's doing weird things that you don't understand. And you'd be like, what kind of person? So to speak. So, let me see. I don't know if I want to get this article this right yet. Or um, if I wanted to, let me see, Hand of God. Yeah, let's go into the article. And then we're going to go into um, some signs that you might be pansexual, but we'll do that after the break. I want to talk about, there's a lot of things I want to talk about. I don't know what I want to go into first. Let's talk about uh, the Pied Piper of Hamlin or Hamline. So the Pied Piper of Hamline, according to Wikipedia.com, also known as the Pan Piper or the Rat Catcher of Hamline, is the titular character of a legend from the town of Hamline. They keep saying Hamline. Lower Saxon Germany. The legend dates back to the Middle Ages, okay, and describes a piper dressed in multicolored clothing who was a rat catcher hired by the town to lure rats away. I'm sure this story sounds familiar to a lot of people because I remember this story as a child. And he did this with his magic pipe, right? Remember? When the citizens refused to pay for his service, he retaliates by using his instruments with magical power on their children, leading them away as he had the rats. This version of the story as folklore um, has spread as folklore and has appeared in writings okay, of Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, the Brothers Grimm, and Robert Browning, amongst others. Now, 
<clears throat> There's different things that you can get out of that story. And I'm, I feel like most people, especially if you're in my generation, or so I don't know what they're reading the children today, if they just got new books or if they do read some of these classics. But the moral of the story for me and the moral of the story, I mean, that most people should get is that um, you could make a deal with, in this case, the town made a deal with the devil, right? Who the hell you know? I mean, even if this was a real story and it wasn't fictional, who you know got a pipe that if they play some music, that got to be a magical pipe, which means there's some kind of powers on it. And 9 out of 10, um, you're going to have to pay some kind of a price, you know what I'm saying, for that kind of a service from somebody who has some kind of a magical flute of that sort, if you understand to catch my drift. And so when the people... Uh, refused to pay for his service. Now, this could also be another story about not pay, paying people for their service or um, um, sometimes you think you're going to screw over people and some people you were able to get away with it, but one day you might screw over the one person who's not really a person at all, some, some, some demon god thing, okay? And um, the moral of the story to me is um, you, you, at the end of the day, you, you, you got to pay the piper. Pay the piper. The pied piper, you got to pay the piper. That's it. The people didn't pay the piper. And so as a retaliation, they thought mice was a problem. Now he took their children. So again, Pan Piper, which is the other uh, name of the story, nickname for the story of the pied piper of Hamlin, took the kids. I you think Peter Pan called them kids lost boys, but we're going to keep going. But we're not going to get into that. And if you don't believe me, you can do your own research or you can buy the book by J.M. Barry yourself and you can read it like I did. Because I knew when the guy was telling it that they weren't lying because they were, these were well-read people. These were, this was like a panel of well-read people and they were talking about books and the anniversary of things and debating and stuff like that. These people wouldn't sit there and go on and talk about a well-read published book that's been well-known and distributed throughout uh, the decades, you know what I'm saying, plenty of time to go sit there and have the nerve to say that it says one thing that it doesn't, you know what I'm saying, it's just like I could say um, Genesis 1 and 1 so it doesn't say in the beginning, I could say like it says, well, in the end, well, I could be lying on, but there's a book that's going to tell you and somebody's going to catch me with that, so I bought the book anyway just because I wanted to know more, and I saw it with my own two eyes and I was in shock. But I could see exactly what Disney, Disney did. So they just kind of like watered it down and kind of sweetened him up and made him kind of a little, you know what I'm saying? They kind of made him a little more slicker and a little more clever than um, he was, say, like in the 60s or 40s or 20s or whenever the story first came out. Okay. Oh, yeah, I think we did that. Okay, so, um, yeah, so they, we started talking, about, they're still talking about it. The mayor, in turn, promised to pay him for the removal of the rats. Okay, it says that the, they reduced his money by $50, so it don't even matter. The problem is they didn't know who the hell they was dealing with. Like, a lot of people out here that's making deals and stuff with people and don't seem to understand that at the end of the day, they're going to have to pay the piper. And, you know, when you, when you can't pay, which you're going to pay anyway, that's the sad thing about it. Because he made a deal. Now, we're going to go to the article that I found about Peter Pan to get that out the way. I mean, I think I can find it. Um, oh, boy. Here we go. Here I go getting old again. I don't want to do this like every other day. It is a shame. Yeah, I think I'm going to have to take a break and find that article. And when I come back... We'll talk about that, and I'll also come back and talk about some signs that you might be, or someone might be, if you might see some signs or whatever. Um, 
Yeah, okay, we'll be right back after the break. See you in a little bit. Chapel's Corner. Hey, y'all, welcome back to Chapel's Corner. It's your host, Fire Chapel, and um, we are going to just jump right into it. I was looking for the article on the last left off about Peter Pan, written by an author... Oh, oh, who there? Who, who this? New phone, who this? I don't know who this is. I'm going be honest because I don't see. But I got it from TV. Now, the title of the article is Peter Pan's Dark Origins, A Place Your Child Should Never Land. Get it? Never land? And I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, some things you you don't know, you don't understand, but if you do a little research and then, you know, you decide after you tell me, after you're, after hearing what I'm getting ready to read to you, you, you tell me. All right. It's no shocker that the timeless tale of Peter Pan has questionable content. See, this is what I'm telling you, the original book. I don't know if you are into books but or do some research online about what it pertained it's no shocker. Oh, I had the book here, too, and I'm upset because um, one of my bookshelves fell apart. I have a, a few, and um, I put the books up in boxes, and I put them up. I wouldn't say the story, but I can't really access them in the source closet where they are, and I have a pretty good feeling there. Boy, did I search for that book because I put so much nose in the margins when I did get it, and I wanted to read off some um Maybe I'll come back to it if I... I don't know. Maybe not. But it's no shocker that the timeless tale of Peter Pan has questionable content that kids just shouldn't be exposed to. Um, Moral messages such as never grow up and do whatever you want, which is the modern-day YOLO or the um, the do what thou wilt is the whole of the law as the crawly aspect. If you know, I mean, it's just whatever. That it is okay to kill, because yeah, that's what they were talking about in the book, killing and murdering and, and, and things like that. It was almost like Lord of the Flies. I don't know if you ever read the book, but how they, it kind of got really dark, but a little bit more darker than that. You know, they had more darker undertones than that. I couldn't believe that this uh, is where they had derived the children's um, book that I learned, that I first learned from uh, about Peter Pan. Come on, let's be honest, it's from, it's from mostly the Disney films. After all, Peter Pan was named after the Greek god of sexual deviance, rape, and torture. We'll get to that in just a moment. While you might not be aware of, though, is just how dark the origin of the story truly is. You might want to rethink exposing any young, impressionable mind to its rebellious influence. So the story was originally written by um, J.M. Barry, like I said. They said that he was born in 1960, and at age 13, he lost his brother to an ice skating accident, which his mother never really um, recovered from mentally. So as a child, after the incident, um, his mother would dress him up, the author J.M. Barry, up as his little brother. And, um, you know, just to pretend that his brother was still alive, so to speak. So I'm sure that that took a toll on him growing up because now, in a sense, you don't have an identity. You have to lose your identity in order to become your your sibling that passed away. You have to become that. And also, you're probably dealing with the loss of your sibling as well. So 
I can only imagine what that was for, like for him because that started for him at age 13. Um, they say when he grew up and became a writer, he married an actress named Mary Ansel. And that, according to friends and colleagues and people that knew him, the marriage was never consummated, which is why when I read the story, I figured that maybe he was asexual or something was going on. But, um, again, he might have had a lot of trauma from that situation that his mother exposed him to as a child. So this led his wife to have an affair with another writer. And, again, the marriage was um, shattered. Now, Jay and Barry being devastated, obviously, and understandably by the whole situation, was out one day walking his dog in a park, and he meets the Davies family. Because if you remember, um, in the book, the family was um, modeled after this family, the Davies. And, um, of course, in, I think, Finding Neverland with Johnny Depp, which was based on um, the author's experience of meeting the Davies, um, but obviously in a more, like, glamorous life. It says in the article here, let me go down. Where was it? Yeah, it says that, uh, nevertheless, Barry quickly takes to the boys. Now, the boys were the boys that was in the Davies family. It says the boys' name were George, Jack, and baby Peter. Peter, and becomes a regular visitor at their household, earning him the title of Uncle Jim. Barry uses the Davies family as the subjects for his writings and is especially inspired by the young baby Peter, naming the character Peter Pan after him. Peter Pan made his first official book appearance in a book entitled The Little White Bird. Um, Barry's thinly veiled novel about George uh, Lulin Davies that today, with our sensitivity to sexual predators, has a creepy tone. Once again, in the book, a boy named David is befriended by a narrator, by the narrator who pretends to have a son of his own who died. Doesn't that sound a little strange? He uses this lie to create empathy with David's parents. The narrator is particularly excited that David's mother, Mary which, well, Mary was his wife's name, so he just uses a lot of characters in his, um, or things in his familiarity as inspiration, has been duped, which allows him to take David utterly away from her and make him mine, as it says in the novel. It says, within the novel, the narrator invents a story about a magical boy named Peter Pan who never grows old, like a vampire, okay, or some, which is basically a soulless being, because I'll never forget um, when I was watching Twilight, and then um, Be- uh, Bella, and, 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 you know, she's so fascinated by him, and he was fascinated with her as well, they had this really obsessive kind of, um, it, I mean, if you look at it, it's really unhealthy, but it doesn't matter, and she kept saying, I want my soul to be damned like yours, I mean, but he would say to her, you don't understand what I am, and while she was looking at this outward appearance and how, um, he don't age, and she even started to feel old when she turned 18, and I think he was still, what, 17? Long story short, they were standing in the woods, and then um, he's not supposed to go into the light, and it was, you know, forks or wherever they had. It was a very wooded area with a lot of shady uh, spots. And they walked into the sun, and he uh, opened up his chest or something, and he started to glow like, um, well, you know, like the Bible said, do not marvel for it because the angel himself can transform into an angel of light. You know what I'm saying? But she was just like, oh, my God, you're so beautiful or something like that. And he was like, let me say something. Don't be looking at this outward appearance because, like, um, what I am, you know, inside is like I'm a dead, soulless creature being thing. I'm a demon. I am the walking dead. But they wouldn't perceive or portray that to the kids as they're portraying it. So they're going to change it into that love story to get them to buy 
into it. But if you think about what it was that she was asking him, she was asking him to um, walk the earth with him as a soulless entity being. I mean, look at when their baby was born. I mean, she became something that was non-human like he was non-human. The baby became... I think within like three days or a week's time, by the time her father came to see her, within like a week's time, the baby looked like it was like eight months old. So it was growing at a rapid speed. And also her pregnancy was super fast as well. Because again, it was some supernatural stuff. This thing is not normal. Um, they said, now why J.M. Barry created the character after the sexually twisted Greek god Pan is disturbing in of itself. Even more ironic is that in Barry's personal life, Accusations of foul play began to surface. Claims that the relationship Barry built with the Davies boy, especially Michael, was of an inappropriate matter. One such letter was written to Michael's birthday by J.M. Davies. J.M. Barry. This is the guy who wrote um, Peter Pan, where they got this uh, children's story from. So he wrote to this little boy, Michael, in the Davies family. I wish I could be with you and your candles. And he wrote this to him for his eighth birthday. You can look on me as one of your candles, the one that burns badly, the greasy one that is bent in the middle. But still, hurry, I am Michael's candle. I wish I could see you putting on the redskins clothes for the first time. Dear Michael, I am very fond of you, but don't tell anybody. Now, I mean, it's inappropriate and it's creepy. It doesn't make any damn sense. It says that he was also known for having friendships with other children before he met the Davies boys and even after they had grown up. And um, there had been accusations that Barry was a pedophile. Okay. And they said the protagonist in the book, The Little White Bird, which is the first one that debuted Peter Pan, who resembles Barry in a lot of ways, helps a small boy undress for bed. And at the boy's request, they sleep in the same bed. Now, um, and then we, I mean, you know, then they talk about how Michael Jackson loved Peter Pan and, and how he never wanted to grow up and his fascination with children. So, we know who knows, okay? Whatever everyone wants to believe. Now, he lost some boys, they died. Um, let's see, I'm just trying to see what's important here because there's another article I wanted to get to. It says, our modern idea of what the devil looks like. See, this is what I was talking about, the Baphomet. And I got that in the article as well. We're going to talk about, like, the, the worship of Pan in certain religions. Whether you believe it or not, you can look it up. You should look it up. You should never just take what somebody tells you for face value. You should always fact check, okay? It says, our matter, and then decide for yourself. It's really not for me to push an idea on you, on you so much as just to just bring um, something to light and then uh, put some facts onto it. As you see, it's not just my own. I picked what other people have said but and then you choose what you believe on your own so it says our modern idea of what the devil looks like comes from the depictions of pan with his horns and goat feet according to greek myths pan is known for his sexual perversion it's just what it is i mean when i go to the other article and i'll tell you exactly where i got it and also if you look it up pan the god and the statues that have been made of him he's even been depicted as having sex with real goat animals and animals, period. He does not have any um, boundaries when it comes to sexual preferences, just like why the term pansexual has or pansexuality has been named after him, which is why I'm going into it pretty much, just to give us a more deeper, broader understanding of the origins. 
so this is perhaps the reason modern depictions of him in cartoons and movies show him corrupting the female characters. Pan's appearances in films such as Chronicles of Narmia are simply eerie. When Mr. Tumis takes Lucy back to his place and serves her a hallucinogenic drink, he begins to play the Pan Pipes, or we were talking about the, the, the um, Piper of Hamlin. And she passes out. Now, remember that when they couldn't pay the piper in that story, he went and played the piper and got, the, got their children. When she wakes up, Mr. Timmons is crying. Why? Did he do something shameful that made him cry afterwards? Now, I actually do remember that um, movie being broken down and they bringing down like the, the um, symbolism. Because a lot of things have symbolism. A lot of things we have have symbolism. Yeah, they make for great stories, but there's something that the... Um, either the director or the producer, like there's something in the message they wanted to come across, and that's just this really good story with all this, um, these great actors. There's always something that they're trying to say hidden. Pan's appearance in the overly satanic film Pan's Labyrinth. Now, Pan's Labyrinth was a creepy motherfucker. Now, if you've seen Pan's Labyrinth, you know that I believe it. I want to say it was Spain, and it was during a time of war. I want to say it was Spain. You can don't quote me on that. But the little girl um, and her mother, who I guess her father passed away and her mother remarried a guy who seems to be like a general in the army or something. But the whole movie is in, in Spanish. I like to think it's Spanish. If it's not in Spanish, it's some type of Spanish. Maybe Portuguese or something. But I like to think it's Spanish. And the English subtitles are there at the bottom. But the movie is so good watching it. You know, you just read the subtitles. It's kind of like um, The City of God. City of God was just that good. It was in Portuguese, but you just watched it with the subtitles. So... You're watching it, and then the little girl, she's, I guess, I think she's walking through the woods, because it's a third world country or another country, international country that she's in, and she finds um, the opening to, I guess, the labyrinth or something, and she eventually comes across this fawn, because they told you that he's also known or as, um, connected to the fawn, and um, he tricks her into telling her that she's um, not supposed to be here in this world, that she should sacrifice her. all kind of bad things that he tells the little girl. Sacrifice the little brother. There's a root he gave her to put under his mother's bed. and I mean, it was just like all these little things, but he had um, ulterior motives at the end of the day, which was um, if she sacrificed her new baby brother. It was all kind of nonsense going on, but it was really creepy if you watch it. And when I thought about it, I never I, I never get like I say in pants, pants, not pill, but I couldn't think or connect Peter Pan to it at the time, but I kept, kept saying, I remember Pan, because I must have, like, the name came up in college or something, one of these classes, and I looked it up, and I remember I did do the um, the symbol, symbology of the movie. I broke it down. It was so many years ago. I wish I watched it before this. Oh, they talk about um, Disney's whitewashed version of the character has toned down the sexual reversions, but still retains the devil-like attributes, enticing the little girl to leave her parents' authority and go to a place where no rules. And there's only one thing you have to do. This is a quote in the um, book, Leave Home Behind and You Can Never Come Back. It's the same lies that they said that um, Fallen Angels told man. So now it goes, Michael Jackson was so obsessed with the story of Peter Pan that he ended up building his own private theme park, like I mentioned. Everybody, we all know that, called Neverland. Like Barry Jackson seemed to have an infatuation, or in my opinion, obsession, um, with the sexual deviant god Pan. Now, even if you take out sexual, sexual deviant god, you still have infatuation with Pan, okay, which is what he did have. And he mentioned that himself. And he said that it was because he never had a real childhood. We all know the story. Um, but, yes, yeah, as the painting has um, 
he has that that he has the god pen as in the artwork hanging in the studio and the painting has Jackson surrounded by naked little boys and girls holding the pan pipes okay his ranch of sculptures of little boys and girls and um, the very flag and logo for the Neverland Ranch is of a little boy okay so that was just this article and it's pretty much over okay that was just that and then we go into the I want to talk about, I guess, like the worship of Pan or the, him as the, as the other ways that they symbolize him, which would be, um, well, that article, the whole thing just went, you know, I think it's time for me to get a new laptop. I really do. You know what? We're just going to take a quick break. I, I need it anyway. You know how long it's going to take me to get this up? I'll be back. <laughs> See you in a little bit, Chopper's Corner. All right, y'all. What's up? It's, we're back on Chapel's Corner. It's your host, Fire Chapel. I'm so I'm a little frustrated. Now, see, that article is another one I was going to bring up. I done lost it all, so the browser crashed, and so I had to restart it. And then I went into the history, and then that thing's stupid. Or well, I think I sent it up or set it up so that it erased everything. I don't know what I did. And so I was just going to wrap up. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I found this article on Teen Vogue that says... Um, pansexuality and what it's all about but what teens what the teens is talking about this for i don't know but that's what i'm talking about the generation is moving super fast the next generation anyway it says that notable pansexual celebrities include jazz jennings angel hayes lacey green miley cyrus and most recently janelle monet sometimes pansexuality i just just to clarify and, and tie it all back in um, is used as a synonym for bisexuality or polysexuality, but that is not the case, according to GLAAD. G-L-A-A-D, being bisexual means you're attracted to more than one gender. Yeah, but really two, because that's what bi means. While identifying as pansexual means you're attracted to people regardless of sex or gender. All right, and we already know that. Now, I want to talk about... Damn it. The pan god and worship. Uh, uh, you know, now I came across they have like the pan cult. Okay, again, I already told you this is the this is the image that they're using. Um they have the pan god in Wicca. Okay. Uh it's a lot of people that are just into pan. I wish I could find that freaking thing, you know. That really gets me mad. Let me see. Maybe I could find it. As I'm talking, I'm just going to still be looking. But um, it really went into a lot of it. Pandas mentioned the Freemasonry. It even says that, 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 that they used it as the image, which is bad from it. This was the article that I found. Now, I don't know how I got these settings set for this. Um history but we're gonna see right now let me just search it maybe i can find nope it ain't gonna tell me anything but yeah so when we're thinking about pansexuality bottom line we're thinking about somebody that is all but i want to be clear because i looked it up and nobody's really gonna go you know this society certain things we don't really talk about too much just like child molestation and that's the subject that we're going to talk about so there's certain topics like what we know is going on it's like the elephant in the room 
this subject will kind of be like the elephant in the room because to talk about this in as far as it can go would be to admit that these are the type of um, sexual orientations that say a pedophile falls into or somebody who I said is into necrophilia or someone who's into bestiality. There's a lot of weird twisted people out here and if you don't think it exists because I don't want to say you're naive but you shouldn't think about things like that bestiality and, and you know things with children or whatever and the fact that you know that you don't think about it on a normal basis because you're, you know it's not normal to do is the same way that um, there are people out there that actually do you know and you should just be mindful of it even if you don't you know it's just it's just like you know like I always say scripture says wise as a serpent has harmless as a dove just know that it's going on now, how do I feel about it? I don't really feel about it. I just know that for a fact, I've never actually heard anybody come out and necessarily say, um, I am pansexual. Just like I never really hear anybody say I'm demisexual. I mean, so I'm probably the first person actually, I've actually heard say it out loud or something so that I know of. And I'm not saying that there aren't others that haven't, but I just mean like in my circle. Yeah. So, um, with that being said, I think that pretty much wraps up Pan. Hold on. Uh, let me see if I can try. I'm going to try one more time. I said I'm giving it up. And also, I'm tired. This heat got me smacked from earlier. I just, oof. All right. And I remember it was like, I remember what the beginning. All right. So, I just found this. It says, the God of Freemasonry. Um, and I'm not going to get into that too much, you know, because it's all of what you believe. But, um, you know, and, and who is their, their great architect of the universe? And it goes into like a couple other things. Now, this one's a little detailed. I'm going to, I'm going to, um, I want to read this for myself because I'm not even going into that deep. And, um. Okay, they're talking about Molex. So now Baphomet, Mendes, Horn, Horny Goats, Pan, Capricorn, and Saturn. It says Baphomet is another god associated with Freemasonry, even though some Freemasonries officially deny it. Of course they would. You can see Master Mason George Washington doing his Baphomet pose above with the one hand high, one hand low. You see celebrities doing that as well. Baphomet was a hermaphroditic god. So now he's a hermaphrodite having both female and male genitalia. Maybe this is why he was so, I don't know. It's not really a real person. It's a demon being. It's an entity. It's a, it's a, it's a um, supernatural being. Which will, which, will, will be, which will begin to take on more significance in the future. All right. And then they start talking about the other things. Since Baphomet's head is an inverted five-pointed star, sure is. And so it just goes on into, like, you know, who, who he is there and the symbolism that he is there. You look up Baphomet yourself. Okay? Because I ain't getting into all of that. I just want to show which... Um, organizations is using pan you know what i mean so when you why would you attach the term pan is all of this research is just to say that because i gotta go my own research when i get up out of this oh and also guess what guys i found um i was looking up some things that i saw in my dream as far as what it means when you could touch somebody in a dream i'm going to talk about dreams more i'm going to do a part two to that actually but later 
actually I will. I'm going to follow up on it and talk about the the other ones that I've had in my life that I can remember. I'll actually do that a little later. Maybe even later on tonight. I'm not going to lie. I'm tired. Especially after the situation that I had this morning last night. And I have bags under my eyes. And my eyes just feel heavy right now. So I might see if I can take a nap and uh, just wake up a little later. And then I'll just come in with part two. And then I'll share... Um, Hoping to remember, I got to write a note to myself to share about um, what I found concerning what it means when you can actually touch the mic. Because remember I told you, as the only person in my life that I was actually able to physically touch and feel in a dream was my crush. And also what it means when you can, um, because other people have said that they too can see through their um, closed eyelids when they lay down sometimes to go to sleep. And I'll tell you, it's usually when I'm really tired. I noticed it for a while, but I started to test it out recently because it started to happen more often. Like I said, in the past three months, I've been dreaming more and more. A lot of it I can't remember, and the most of it that I can't remember, and as vividly as I can, is the ones that I shared in the previous episode. But again, I'm going to come back and just um, share what they said that means, but it was good to know. That's why I like to look up things and then let me know I'm not alone. And that's why I share my experience, because I'm like somebody, you know, we don't talk about these things. People don't think we're crazy, but I already see that it is, and some people say it's like a hallucination. It's not a hallucination. I see it right clear through my lids. I'm not a fool. I know what I'm looking at, you know? And just like the dream, I know what I was feeling. Like, nobody can tell. It's only probably two dreams where I felt, other than fear, because you could feel fear and panic, like a feeling and emotion, but what I'm talking about, feel it. I mean, like I said, the wind blowing, I felt that, the grainy stuff, I felt that, and I felt him that one time in the dream. And so on that note, if you want to get in touch with me, you can reach me at firechapel for president at petlover.com. You can also reach me at Instagram at firechapel. Send me a tweet at firechapel. I remember now on Spotify now and eight other platforms, Anchor FM, I'm just naming them off the top of my head. I think it's Radio Public, Google, um, Pocket Cast, what else? Of course, Apple iTunes, Breaker, um, and a few others. So, let me go sit my tie behind down. I hope you all enjoyed the episode and enjoy the rest of the day. It y'all, y'all. Seven, oh my God, it's 7-12 already? It's 7-12 feet. Where did they go? Me twirling in the air in the wind. That's where I went. See y'all later. All right, y'all be good.